0: Welcome to another episode of Ready to Launch, a special series on entrepreneurship in the MENA region on the Wilson Center podcast, Riada. I'm your host, Marissa Khurma, Director of the Middle East Program at the Wilson Center. And happy Women's History Month to all of you. Truly the perfect opportunity to zoom into the world of entrepreneurship for women in the MENA region, which sadly has one of the lowest rates entrepreneurship rates in the world for women at a meager four percent this month we will talk to women entrepreneurs investors industry leaders as well as experts on the topic we will want to explore what challenges women face to start their own business or to grow it but also what progress some of the women have made and where they are and finally we want to talk about where the hope lies and the opportunity to invest more in women entrepreneurs. Our guest today is an expert on all things women and entrepreneurship in the Middle East, Lynn Munzer. She researches how women in the MENA region can overcome this lack of support and get access to the tools to build businesses and social enterprises and become more independent. As well as the socioeconomic, cultural, and political conditions that are needed to foster female entrepreneurship. Lynn, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Marisa,
1: for having me. It's uh, an important subject. And uh, um, thank you so much for highlighting uh, the the topic.
0: So, um, Lynn, let's start with um, your research. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know what the data says. Uh, that basically it's a, a women entrepreneurship in the region is very low. Um, so what have you identified in terms in terms of the main barriers for women to start their own businesses?
1: So um, I try to get a general idea of the condition of women entrepreneurs in a region. Of course, let's start by saying that every country is different, but there are common problems. They, I divided them into four categories, cultural, social, cultural, uh, training and network financial and legal problem and governmental, of course. Um, on a cultural level, you see the, the traditional nature of, uh, the middle East region, it imposes a conventional role on women where they're expected to perform most, if not all the household and care given, care given responsibilities which makes it so hard for women to balance their entrepreneurial work and their families. So, most of the women I talked to, they felt the tension, they felt the struggle to even manage the social expectation and to have any kind of uh, fulfilling life. So. Um, most of the participants, they also felt the resistance from, uh, from their environment and discouraged them from working. They told them, like, focus on your family, uh, find a secure job, uh, just go get married instead, forget about these games, and it's time for you to, to have a better life. For them, entrepreneurship wasn't the life for women. And uh, all of this created uh, skepticism around women's work. So they felt their businesses being judged. The, co- the society created um, this accept- inacceptance of their work, inacceptance of what they're delivering, which makes it very hard to survive or even expand their businesses. Uh, on the second level is the networking, which, as you as you know, it's very hard for a society that's very traditional to to connect especially with men Um, women felt participants in my research they mentioned the networking event as an old boys club they felt uncomfortable they felt they worried about their reputation you know it's it's very important in the middle east where uh your reputation is everything and being in a room with men is is not good for business they also find find it difficult to to get information. So, because they are not able to network, where this is where you get the, most of the business information, they didn't have the they lack knowledge and basic information to grow their businesses or even to deliver. Um, the The one interesting part is when I the woman I talked to, they felt they have they knew they had the skills to run a business. So. Most previous research mentioned that women do not have the skills, do not have the knowledge to 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 create a, a, to start a business. But in my research, around eighty one percent of the participants said they um, they have the skills and they got it from their previous work experience. It prepared them to lead, to lead a venture even though most of them went to a different sector, but the whole basic knowledge of how to run a business, how to run your accounting, how to run your employees, all of that, they had that, and that helped them. um, uh, That's one of the reasons they started the business. Now, third, which is uh, a problem that's found worldwide, but in the Middle East, it's still big, which is financial. The lack of access to capital and financial support are the most, they the biggest obstacle women face. Most of the participants, more than 50% of the participants, they relied on the personal saving as the capital source. So they didn't have access to funding. And they decided to self fund because, not just because of lack of funding, it's because um, they, they believed, they didn't even want to apply for a loan because they believed the banks and financial institutions. Institutes do not support women, so this a lot of them. Just, just, they told me that they didn't even try to uh, to apply for a loan. They knew how it felt, and the women who applied for a loan, they were they were criticized. They were felt uh, they felt uneasy around the, the, the uh, around the customer service with the uh, they don't have collaterals. They don't have. Um, they stopped telling that they don't have the right skills, the right knowledge. They made fun of their business ideas. And then several women mentioned that when they had, uh, they brought a man partner with them, their business felt appealing right away. And they received the loan. So
0: And that was the same business idea. It was just same, basically. Yeah.
1: Yes, because they don't take women seriously in their business. They think, okay, that's just that's another woman with a, a board, has nothing to do, and she's just coming up with her, like, Let's not take her serious. She, she's going to eventually get married and settle down. Like, Why should we take a risk on her? Why should we give her a loan? Why should we support her? So that feeling was was presented by all the participants. Every one of them told me how it was uneasy to get a loan or decided not to do it anyway. So they either used their personal savings or relied on their family support, their family money. And if you don't
0: have savings or you don't have that kind of family support, then you are um, at a disadvantage from day one and therefore so, uh, unable to even think of entrepreneurship as a means towards, um, you know, becoming active in the economy or, or making money. Um, yeah. You well, Everything that you've described, you know, these three different sort of pillars of mm-hmm. challenges uh, reminds me of um, a study that um, was conducted on education curricula in Jordan and how basically the conclusion was the education system is... Preparing women for the marriage market and not for the labor market, uh, because there's so much emphasis on, as you said, their roles as mothers and housewives, and less on uh, their contribution to the economy. And you also, um, you also mentioned, um, Lean, that. There are variations across different countries, but of course, these are generally the challenges that you see or the barriers that you see. So, where are some of these pockets of success that perhaps we can highlight and learn from? Have some countries made some progress?
1: Well, no. In the past, I want to say five to seven years, um, the the lot of especially the Gulf countries, they're trying to move beyond their oil business. They're trying to, and now they understand the importance of women participating in participation in the economy because they know they're losing $575 billion yearly because of that. So a lot of countries like the Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, they're trying to create an enabling environment for women to succeed they're providing them with special loans they're providing them with training sessions they're involving the global community in providing them with the all that they need to succeed the one part that's missing is the focus on the social and cultural so if we're providing the the women with the training the training and the skills we're we're providing them with finance we're providing them with uh and accepting an enabling environment yet the society is still not accepting women being in business or they perceive women as uh, not capable of running a business of or creating or participating or 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 that's con- that's where the setback is so we need a lot of change in policies they they they're on the way they're changing, like, we, we see, big like, example, is Saudi Arabia, they're changing a lot of policies that relate to women and laws to make it easy to, to commute, easy to travel, to start a business. They're doing all of that. Like, another example, is Bahrain is doing, is, like, they also have a, a women's center. They're trying to focus on women issues and create a supporting environment for women. Yet... We cannot forget culture. So if we do all of that and we don't have a, a proper campaign that helps the uh, accepting women as entrepreneur or as even um, part of the part of the economy, we're not going to move forward. So a lot of effort is done. A lot of effort is being done. We still have a lot to do. Um, at least we're there. We're
0: we're moving it's forward. moving there's definitely an yeah. movement and and there is definitely progress but you know um, I cannot help but point also that the countries that you've highlighted are resource rich countries particularly in uh relation or in comparison to others in the region like Lebanon or Jordan um, or even Tunisia and and those are sort of those are the countries where as you know and I'm sure you're re- Research has shown women are educated. Uh, in fact, there are more women graduates, um, you know, university graduates than men in some in some countries. Mm-hmm. But then that's not really translating to the workforce, um, and and specifically not necessarily in in entrepreneurship. Um, and I wonder, you know, with the socio cultural mindset, such a as you know, such a as you said, a significant barrier, um, particularly in the, in the MENA region, beyond just campaigns. Because the problem with campaigns, at least the way I see it, is that they have, they have a timeline. They, they start and they finish. Um, and, and, and this is really ongoing work. So what else mm-hmm. do you think can be done to start getting the younger generation at least to think about women's roles in society and their contribution to the economy differently.
1: Okay, that's so true what you said. Uh, I mentioned rich countries. They have the capacity to involve and provide solutions for women. Other countries like Lebanon for example, they're, they're barely surviving. They have a lot of economic problems and they're and gender is never a focus for them so even if there is any plan of recovery they do not include women as part of the recovery um tunisia they've they've been i think i want to say if they've been the first in providing and, and being um and giving women uh the right to work and they they're just including them in political and economic uh, uh atmosphere but that's where society also plays a big role over there. Um, the problem is in research, not the problem. I say, like the research, the the resource-rich um, countries are able to provide the basic needs, which is what we always recommend in order to increase women economic participation. Capacity building. Uh, I, there are like four pillars. So first, we start with the capacity building in schools. We're providing women. As you, which you just mentioned the Jordan uh, research, they, they're not providing them the, the the support. They're not pushing them towards excelling. They're pushing pushing them towards uh, going towards uh, having safe job or their own families. And so, if the public starting, sector, right, or teaching or nursing, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's what they're telling them to. This that's what schools are telling them. You're capable of doing. So. We see now there's a latest research show that there's a lot of women in STEM in the Middle East, yet that doesn't translate in the labor market because they tend to end up in safe jobs. Right. So in government, uh, education. So that's always the problem with the Middle East. So starting with education and proper training. So you have the skills, we give you the knowledge, you have the capacity and you have the information. Now, Let's. how can we help you translate it into um, into a business idea or being a part of the labor market that's beyond the service sector? Let's just take your knowledge. You're capable of growing a business or being uh, an engineer in tech company. That's where the, the education system should change. It should provide the proper uh, transition from school To labor market without women feeling, we call it imposter syndrome. We don't want them to feel that. We want them to feel capable of doing that, and that's where the government and the education system plays a big role. Another one, capital resources. We talk about money all the time. They need proper financing. They need to feel that they're. Because without that, you can't do anything. Exactly, and like they feel if if their jobs, the woman, the jobs that women already have now in the Middle East, they're low-paying jobs the service sector is not the, the one that like teaching is not going to give you as much money as if you're when you're a senior in a tech company. So if you don't right. have enough money to save to, to build something, so how can you build something or how can you think beyond your uh, survival mode? Absolutely.
0: So, so You're thinking about that- survival or survival as, as sort of your, the main goal instead of thinking about thriving as a goal.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I was like, I want to make it day-to-day. I want to make basic income. I want, to, uh, I want to support myself, support my family. But that's all I can do. If I, that's all I can do. How can I grow? How can I save money to start something? And that's Absolutely. always a problem. Like low salary, we have a huge pay gap in the Middle East. Like I've experienced it myself. I, had, I was in a Syria position uh, with a colleague of mine. He's a, he's a, he's a man. And he got, we have the same responsibilities. He got paid more than I did because he's going to start a family while I'm not responsible for a family. So (laughs) I realized after I left that there was a pay gap and I was part of, it's real. uh, It is real. And it's more painful when you go through it yourself. Absolutely. "Hmm," I read about it. I work about uh, on it, but facing it, it's just still painful. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, then we go to regulations. So, if mm. women do not have the 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 ease of move without like even being harassed in the workplace, if if nothing is done about it, they're not gonna join the workforce. If nothing is done about the, all the regulation that will help them um, be included, for example, registering registering a business. A lot of countries like Qatar, they have. Um, Make they make it difficult to to register a business. Not just because of that, also having an employee is another regulation problem. All they right. feel they they the women have to. You mentioned they have to go through a lot of paperwork, and they may or may not accept the person they're hiring. They they have a lot of restrictions when hiring, so that a lot of women felt there is a lot of difficulty in registering and hiring employees. So. Laws and regulation are really important in order to create this safe environment to 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 push women towards um, entrepreneurship or even joining the workforce.
0: I mean, if if I may jump in here, Lynn. So mm-hmm. you know, the way that uh, businesses are registered um, here in Washington D.C. or across the river in Virginia is very different because you can do the whole process online, and then you can upload necessary forms, or you can mail them in. And with that, there's no interface. There's no personal interface with individuals. So so the digitization of business registration may actually address some of the harassment issue. Not that we don't need the anti-harassment laws we do, but it's one way to do it. Do you, Are there any countries in the region that, uh, you know, from your knowledge, they're trying uh, again. It's uh, always
1: uh, resource-rich comp- countries, which is the Gulf region. They're trying to go to digitize everything. Uh, I've women in Saudi Arabia told me that they, uh, especially with the banking sector, everything is digitized. Everything they felt easy about just opening the bank account and doing business uh, because it's all online. And they and COVID helped them actually because. It made them feel safe to be online and to have a product online and sell it or a yeah. service. Right. So that, that's one part. Uh, Interesting. Th- uh, I know that UAE is moving, uh, they're, everything is moving online now. They're trying to make everything easy to do it from home, which makes it also super easy for, for women to register. Digitization is important, especially in a region like the Middle East. If women still don't feel comfortable going and communicating with a man in an office and being, if they feel vulnerable doing that, being online at their home, doing all of that is is the right uh, course of action to help them uh, be part, to, to help them register a business, to help them yeah, grow. Absolutely. But that's still, that's still like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a process. And even some women don't feel safe. this is where we go to um uh, uh, online violence because they don't feel safe sharing their information online yeah this is this is another campaign that goes through like it's okay you're safe this how ha- this is how you can be safe online, sharing your information, sharing uh what you're doing, sharing your business location, sharing your house location. there is a there's a another layer to um to add, in order to, to for for women to feel to feel safe online as well,
0: because there's also um, more barriers there, and we've tackled that actually last year during the uh, 16 days of activism, we talked about online harassment um, in in this regard. So you're absolutely right; it is um, very much a real concern for a lot of women, mm-hmm. uh, especially in um, in the MENA region. Um, so we are. Um, we want to wrap this up and I always like to uh, uh, sort of highlight or talk about the hope because there is some progress, there is some movement. um, The barriers also still exist and it's very frustrating, but from your vantage point, where do you see the hope for more women entrepreneurs in the MENA region?
1: Um. I did my my thesis between 2018 and 2019. This is when I collected the uh, the information, the data, and I'm I've I already see a big difference and an increase in the number of female entrepreneurs. It's not uh, it's not so apparent in data it's more apparent than what's going on. So, so there's more shift towards, less shift towards service sector. We have, we see more women in STEM. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we see a lot of women in the region going to starting tech companies. There is hope. The region is moving forward. And I was there, I was living in Lebanon like five years ago. And now <laughs> the number of women I talked to in Lebanon who are entrepreneurs increased majorly, especially with COVID. So, They left the job, which didn't provide them security or enough income, and started their own thing. And this was a kind of a push for them. Okay, Lebanon is not a a good example since they don't have an enabling environment for women. But we also see that around the region. Women are growing confidence in their capacity. They're growing confidence in their ideas. And especially in the newer generation, they're pushing the boundaries they're they're not limited by their culture so the hope is there i'm sure we're moving forward it's slower than i than i want it to be but um i already see it
0: wonderful well that's um a really great way to wrap this up and wrap this conversation thank you so much lynn for um, joining us for sharing your findings and your research and we look forward to uh, more conversations in the future thank you Thank you,
1: Arasa, thank you so much.
0: This podcast is funded by a grant from the United States Department of State. The opinions, findings, and conclusions of this podcast are those of our guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Department of State.